beautiful set of songs we were singing tonight. Can you please join me in prayer? <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, 
We thank you tonight that we can come before your presence, Lord. We appreciate you loving us and sending your Son, our Lord Jesus, to die for us. To save these wretched, miserable sinners from their sins. To cleanse us, to wash us, and to let your Spirit dwell in us that eventually we can become overcomers, Father. Oh God, we thank you for such great love. We thank you, Lord, for your strength during our entire Christian life. Tonight I bring every child of God present in this assembly before you. And those that are not here tonight that are going through battles and trials in their own lives, Father, we pray, O oh God, that you'll strengthen their faith. Pray for the work of God here in North America once again. For the work of God around the world, in India, in Africa, in the Caribbean, Lord, in England, in Guyana. Father, we pray that you'll be with your people. Help us to please you in all ways, Father, every possible area in our lives. Bless the service tonight, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Well, it's Wednesday night, and I have opened up before me tonight um, where we left off on, on the weekend. Was it on the weekend I spoke about Matthew chapter 5? You remember? On the weekend, right? On Sunday? Well, I'm looking at Matthew chapter 5, and I thought, Tim, I might need you to flash up that for a song. I thought tonight... Of all nights, I normally, they say I'm extemporaneous, I get up and I preach and then when I'm done, then I decide what the, what the message is going to be titled. Well, I came to church and we came pretty early and we had a nice trying day. A few medical things had to be done and we got that done. and. I have never felt so good for a long while like I feel tonight as I'm sitting here in church. I really feel good. You know, normally you come and you're tired and something is working, but tonight I feel good. And what I've really felt inclined in my heart is, isn't the love of God great? And so I asked Nadine to sing that song because I don't agree with a lot of songs that are written in the world and people enjoy. Some songs will make, I criticize things constructively. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm always right. I might be wrong in some areas, you know. For example, when we sing a song like Amazing Grace, the story surrounding that song is a wonderful story of a man that had an encounter with God and there's a lot of things to be said about it and it's a beautiful song. But a song like that, if you're not careful, it can lead you to praise grace more than praise God. And so when I'm thinking of amazing grace, how sweet the sound. In my heart, I say amazing God, how sweet the sound. 
because men have run away now and they made an idol out of the word grace and before you know it because God has not ordained the concept they promote they say grace is like you do whatever the grace of God covers everything that's not so the grace of God is a precious thing and uh, tonight I wish by the time the service comes to an end we see how necessary it is for us not only to understand God's grace but to reflect it and so when you think of the grace of God I think of his love his love and theologians have come to all kinds of conclusions and some say well it's the unconditional love of God and then some argue against that said no you can't say unconditional love of God it's a condition well if it's they said people criticized the term unconditional that God's love is not unconditional then if it's not unconditional it's conditional is it and so we can argue how about just saying I'm thankful to God for his love he loved me when I was not worth the while loving he loved me when I was a sinner when I was undone um, I might need that song in a minute but in Romans the uh, if you have your Bibles tonight I want to take my time and use up my 45 minutes here but in Romans the fifth chapter Paul is writing to a church that he was never able to save an assembly that was started by saints that probably wanted a better job opportunity so they moved to Rome some were fleeing persecution and moved to Rome and so Paul heard about this church and so he wrote to this church he he did not start the church at Rome but he was anxious to get there and so in this letter in the fifth chapter of Romans he writes here and he says and not only verse 3 let me back up from verse to verse 1 therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into his grace we see that word grace it's all an axe well it's not like something you can buy in a store the grace of God is the unmerited favor of God that is the theological description it is not something that you merit it is something that God has done for us that we do not do not really deserve but his goodness has reached out and so when I'm thinking of God the Father I'm thinking of goodness I'm thinking of perfection I'm thinking of love beyond measure I'm thinking of a depth of concept about his his attributes that you cannot fathom it's incomprehensible he dwells in a light which no man can approach unto then some of us we want to study him you can you have to accept the little bit that he reflects to us and that's wonderful but Paul went on here he says he says uh, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God beautiful statement here I want to go further than that and not only so but what else do we glory in 
uh, you know, like we're a bunch of crazy people. We glory in tribulation. Few of us can come to the place where we glory in the hard things in life. And I have come to the place that I thank God for my trials. You know, I have not been well for a while. The details has not been disclosed. And so I come and I sit here every Wednesday night and under great physical pressure. I did not feel like putting my burden on anyone. Just pray for me. And, and the, when I'm thinking this morning, and as a matter of fact, yesterday morning when I got up to do my quiet time, I did not rebuke the devil for my affliction. I thank God for my affliction. And I pray and I say, Lord, help me to understand why I am afflicted in my body. While Brother saying it's because you were unwise. You were carrying things that you should not carry. Excessive weight. You were trying to be macho. Well, whatever it, the reason is, isn't God in control? And I did not have to be injured, but I got injured to teach me a lesson of some sort. And um, it, I'm glad my mouth did not get injured, just my body. So the mouth and the zeal and the enthusiasm is still there. But I, I reason with God and says, show me why I'm sick, why I have these problems. And guess what? I believe he has shown me. You know, God never fails. And so, am I one of those people glorying in tribulation? <laughs> yes, I glory in my tribulation. If this is what he wants, I will take it. And that's what I told the Lord. If you want me to have this problem, then sure, I'll take it. And James made a statement. You don't need to turn to that. I'll find it for you. And James, he starts his epistle writing like this. And you think sometimes... Are these guys crazy? Why would a man glory in tribulation? Well, here is what James says. He says, my brethren, verse 2, James chapter 1. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers trials, the margin says. When you're going through trials, when you're being persecuted, when you're going through hardship, count it all joy. Why? Well, there's a purpose behind everything. I was telling a lady this afternoon, I met her, and I told her, I said, I told her what Chandri wrote to me, that it takes stormy waters to produce skilled sailors. You remember? Uh, that's some, something Chandri wrote 53, 54 years ago to me. And I told this lady, I am on the road talking to a lady. She's got two kids. And she stood up there because we always had a good conversation. And she wants to hear what I have to say. I said, and so when I see storms around me, I don't complain. I say, God, help me to find out if I should hide from the major storm and use a cove to get in out of the major storm that would sink my ship or help me to adjust my sail that I could ride out this storm. And I heard a story some time ago. A man said uh, he went, he wanted to cross the lake. 
and when he was crossing this lake as a matter of fact it's not a real story but it's something that he made up he says if I want to cross the lake and I look and there is a storm coming and there are two boats ready one is a modern boat that has all the equipment you remember when Titanic went out it was a high-powered boat sitting there and then the other one is a beaten up tattered battered up boat when I look at the captain of this new one he just got trained from the Naval Academy or whatever it was he's got all the academic qualifications I look at the other one he got wrinkles on his face old wrinkles old guys stand there and I asked the question to the man who is well equipped have you ever gone over the lake in a storm and he says no I never went through this lake in a storm but I'm well equipped I'm academically trained to do this and then you ask this other man with wrinkles on his face and an old beat up boat have you ever gone through the storms he said the storm is my middle name I've gone through the storms over a hundred times. You know who I'd go with? I'd go with that old man that has gone through the storms because he's skilled. He has learned how to battle with the negatives in life. And that's what James is saying. He says, count it all joy when you fall into divers trials. And so back here in Romans, uh, Paul is writing and he's telling these folks, he says, and we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You see, when you understand that the trial is meant to accomplish something, you can face that trial more confidently. And so he went on here, he says, and when patience is established, you want to be patient. If you're impatient, then you need some trial, some trials. And he says, and patient works give you experience, and experience strengthens your hope. And hope, make it not a shame. And here is where I really wanted to get to. He says, because the love of God. See, this, what some people say, unfathomable love. Some people say, um, his love is unconditional and I don't know how to describe his love his love is his love he loved me when I was not worth loving and this is what Paul is writing he's telling us now I have the love of God God's love is shed abroad in my heart what God is able to manifest to a lost humanity he has shed that abroad in my heart that I can reflect, not only talk about the grace of God, I can reflect what he has given me. For God so loved the world. When it was all holy, when the world was pure, no, God loved the world when the world was in total darkness and lost. And what he did, his love was not just talk love. You know, I love you, I love you, I love you. People say that all the time. But his love was manifested in a response. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, you see I read the word whosoever, and I wonder, is he prejudiced? 
No. Everyone has a fighting chance, and we'll say, well, only the elect will be saved. Yeah, and that's because God knows who will be saved. But every man, non-elect and elect, have a fighting chance. The non-elect will refuse it because they, God knows in advance that they will. But the elect will submit themselves. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, drunkard, yes, fornicator, yes, murderer, yes, atheist, yes, Muslim, yes, Hindu, yes, whosoever, believe it in him, you don't have to perish, you can obtain everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn the world. The world was condemned before he came. Because the world loved darkness rather than light. And when light is come, the world could not comprehend light. And so the world rejected light. And today is the same thing. And so Paul says, this love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the fake Holy Ghost. If you fake your Holy Ghost experience, you don't know what I'm talking about. But whether you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost or you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost can touch your life like it did to Simeon. And the prophets of old and direct you. Simeon, listen to this man. He was living in total apostasy. The Pharisees were blind, the Sadducees were blind, the Essenes were blind. All Israeli religion in that period of time were in darkness. That's why Jesus was a root out of a dry ground. God was not in Israel like they, they make themselves believe he was there. And while they were in darkness... While the Pharisees were blind, the leaders were blind, the teachers were blind, there was a man, his name was Simeon. He did not leave the church, he was, did not leave the fellowship, but he saw what Annas the high priest did not see. He saw what Caiaphas and Gamaliel and none of these men saw that were predominant in religion. Simeon was led by the Holy Ghost. Hold your, hold, your, hold your thoughts there. I'm going to read it exactly as it says here. And Luke, you, Luke captures this so beautifully. Uh, Simeon was led by the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, uh, when Jesus was being, uh, let me see here if I can find it. It's in... <clears throat> Luke, the early part of Luke's gospel, and Simeon, verse 25 in chapter 2. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just. In the midst of apostasy, Simeon was just. He was devout, committed to God, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him prior to the day of Pentecost. Isn't that something? You, you see, you can complain about everyone around you not living right. No. How about 
trusting God. And let the Holy Ghost shed abroad the love of God in your life. And Simeon was just devout, full of the Holy Ghost, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death till he had uh, seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. How come nobody else came out of spirit? There was an old woman, her name was Anna, and she was also uh, separated to God. But in the midst of hundreds and hundreds of Jews who are in total darkness, there was a man who saw light. The Holy Ghost makes a difference in your life. And so Paul in Romans, uh, the fifth chapter, he goes on, he says, the, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts uh, when, and when we were yet without strength. Everybody read that for me. Can you flash it up? Verse, verse um, 6, Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. And when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the who? Say it out. He died for the ungodly. I'm so glad. So I was telling Brother Terry, I said I did terrible things in my life that God did not expose to the world. And that is why someone says, Brother Singh, how can you give everyone a fighting chance? You know why? Because he gave me a fighting chance. And he that is forgiven much, the same will love much. I'm not here to preach to the righteous. I'm looking for individuals because we can have 500 people here worshiping God and one person in the midst of that 500 come to the altar and says, Lord, I've sinned. You know what causes the angels in heaven to rejoice? That one sinner of the altar. Isn't God something? Isn't the love of God so beautiful? And that's, that songwriter... Uh, the last verse on that song I want, uh, before time runs out, it says, the last verse, could we with ink, we want to talk about the love of God. It says, could we with ink the ocean filled? And were the skies like a big old parchment paper to write on? Last year I grew a papyrus plant. You know, papyrus was what they used to make paper in the Egyptian days. And then they process it and they write on it. Well, if the whole sky was a sheet of papyrus, writing paper, and the ocean was filled with ink, the songwriter says, were every stalk on earth, every stalk on earth, every corn stalk on earth becomes a pen. A quail and every man becomes a writer by trade. Every human being alive, a writer by trade. It says, to write about the love of God will drain the ocean dry. Isn't this wonderful? You see, I like this man that writes about it because he's absolutely right. We can never put on paper a complete description of God's love. Nor could the scrolls contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. 
And Paul writes here in Romans uh, chapter 5, he says, For when we were yet with, verse 6, without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet for peradventure, for a good man, some would even want to die. You know, I'm going to die. I saw in school we did the tale of two cities. And it showed how a friend took the place of the other friend and died in his place. Nice, beautiful little story made up by Shakespeare. He says, but God, verse 8, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, when I understand the love of God in my life, I'll treat my brothers and sisters right. I'll treat that man I meet on the street right. I wouldn't pick on people. I wouldn't be like a wizard. No. I reflect the grace of God that he has shown to me, to other individuals. Because if he can save me, he can save anybody. If he can save David, the David says, when I awake with his likeness, he can save anybody. There's no limit to God's salvation. So I would not say God's love is, is unconditional or conditional. Well, I'm thinking, if I say his love is not unconditional, then the opposite to that, I mean his love is conditional. Not what I'm reading. I might not be able, I don't know if the King James translators have, have really done justice to this, but is God's love conditional or unconditional? I prefer to say his love is unfathomable and incomprehensible. So don't try to use your little gray matter to describe his love. It's beyond man's description. And that's why I'm here, because of his love. And he goes on here, he says, For God commanded his love towards us, while we were yet sinner, sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. The wrath of God is not for the children of God that he saved. He says, verse 10, For if when we were enemies of God, I don't believe in God. I believe in some pagan God. Whatever you believe in, Jesus died for you. And if you're listening to me online tonight, whoever you are, I want to tell you whatever your religion is, it doesn't matter. Whatever your background is, it doesn't matter. Whatever you have done in life doesn't matter. God sent his son and he died for you to save you. You could be saved. And when one sinner comes to the altar and says, God, save me, I'm sorry, the angels in heaven rejoice. Isn't that wonderful? And so back here, getting back to uh, where I started in Matthew chapter 5. It's a, Matthew chapter 5 is such a beautiful area of the Word of God where Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. We did that last week, right? You're the light of the world. Uh, salt of the earth and you fulfill verse 17 Matthew chapter 5 it says think not I'm come to send to destroy the Lord Jesus or the prophets he says I came not to destroy but to fulfill or to live the law for verily I say unto you till heaven and earth shall pass not one jot or tittle of shall in any wise pass from the law till all be lived and fulfilled 
Verse 19, that's where I want to go. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments and teach men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. God's laws are meant for us to keep. Now what are we talking about? Just plain ten commandments? Well, let's find out. Verse 20. But I say unto you, accept your righteousness. And he was talking to the righteous, self-righteous attitude of the religious element in his time. When Jesus was talking about this, the Pharisee was there, the Sadducee was there, the Essenes were there. All of these religious movements were there. The Pharisees were very strict. They were the straightest of sect of the Jewish religion. Paul was a Pharisee. Being a Pharisee, what did Paul do? Did he go commit sins and fornicate? No, here's what Paul says about his religion as a Pharisee. He was going to boast about himself. He says, though I might have confidence in the flesh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4, coming back to Matthew in a minute. He says, if any man thinketh he has whereof he might boast in the flesh, he says, I can boast. Here's what they boast. He wasn't boasting about property and how many cars he's got. No, he was boasting about spiritual accomplishment. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. He says, well, I don't want to be a Pharisee. Well, listen to this Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. Listen to this Pharisee. Not every Pharisee was a hypocrite. Some were dedicated to their religion. Some were sincere. Sincerely wrong, but sincere. Many people in religion are sincere. Sincerely wrong, but sincere. Chandra and I, we had some medical situations to deal with, and then we had lunch at Tim Hortons. I was going to come home and have lunch, but I thought maybe a nice cream of broccoli soup and a sandwich split in half for two of us would be good lunch, right? So we had, we had lunch, and then there was a Muslim lady sitting next to us. That Chandri says, Dad, I want to talk to that Muslim lady. She didn't say Muslim lady, because the lady would hear. She says, I want to talk to her, to, her, to her. So I said, go ahead, you know, like, sure. Do you know when our conversation, she had a conversation with that Muslim lady, the lady packed away her stuff. She was sitting there, not doing anything. Just waiting on time and thinking. When she was finished, she looked at us. She says, Allah sent you all to talk to me. Isn't that something? She left there confident that what was said to her was from God. I thought that was so beautiful because you live in this world and you can be a blessing to people. I'm so glad you were not a witch, but you were a blessing to a person. Yes. And that's what we ought to be. We ought to be a blessing to people we encounter on a daily basis. And Paul, concerning him being a Pharisee, he says, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I was a, not just an ordinary Hebrew. I was one of those special Hebrew. Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, I was a Pharisee. 
concerning zeal, I was not a deadbeat that slept until midday. I got up and was busy persecuting the church because I felt that was what God wanted me to do. Sincere, sincerely wrong. Until the Lord converted him while he was on his way to persecute the saints. That's how God saves. God could say, you sinner, you ungodly man persecuting my people, I'd kill you. No. God saved him. And the challenge is, no matter how obnoxious you are, if God can save you, man, that's a prize. I remember my neighbor when, when Bob did not like me. Remember, Chan? And I told Chandri, I had a neighbor that did not like me. And... Um, <clears throat> He called the fire department on me because I was burning logs in the backyard, you know, having a good time, enjoying the sun. And Bob came out and he had a cigarette on his head. He's an old Irish, uh, Scottish man. He got a cigarette and his neck is half broken. But he says, he put a cigarette, he pulled a smoke. And he says, Desmond, I say, yes, Bob. He says, your smoke is bothering me. So I looked at Bob and I said, Bob, I thought you liked smoke. And then Bob got upset, went inside, called a fire truck. And fire department has to come no matter what. And I told Chandri, I said, I'll make Bob like me. She said, good luck. Do you know, before it was over, Bob liked me. Well, I'm sure hate the man. No, I went and mow his lawn. Not once. But when I did the second time, he comes out there and he looks at me and he says, Des, Des, not Desmond, Des, thank you so much. You see, God does not judge you because of who you are. You are shaped in iniquity and in sin our parents conceive us. But the power of God, the greater the sin is, the greater the grace. That's what I have written in here. God can reach down and save you. And that's an accomplishment. Let's not go downstream with the rest of society. You hate me, I hate you. You don't like me, I don't like you. No, let's go upstream. And prove that salvation can make a difference in our lives. And Paul says concerning the righteousness. He says touching the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. Well he was a hypocrite. Well, he was a good hypocrite. He was serving God to the best of his ability. And that's how everyone should be. And that Muslim or that Hindu should be. They're serving to the best of their ability. They don't know best. But someday you can shine some light. And before you know it, they'll remember light coming from you. And God can save them. No matter how terrible you are. You might be a Manessas. Give your children over to idols. But God can save you. The love of God is beyond measure. And here, back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus saying, he goes on here and he makes some strong statements. He said in verse 21, You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt kill, thou shalt not kill, but whosoever I tell you shall... Been, it says in verse 21, You have heard that it has been said of by them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Jesus says, but I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, 
shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall call his brother Rakar, the fool, shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Jesus said, it has been said of past that you got to hate your brothers or your enemies. I say love them. See, the commandment of God, Jesus manifested the love of God. He says, therefore, verse 23, Therefore, if you come to give your offering in church, your gift before the altar, and you remember that your brother has ought against you, not you have ought against your brother, but your brother don't like you for some reason. Don't just leave your gift there because God is ready to accept your gift after you reconcile with your brother. He says... Leave thy gift there, there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The love of God is not just talked about, it's to be lived. And when we receive the genuine Holy Ghost in our life, it sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. I pray that the love of God would be shed abroad in our hearts. In verse 27, you have heard it has been said of them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, I say unto you, that whosoever looketh at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in, with her already in his heart. And then uh, it goes on here to, I'll skip some of the verses, verse 43. He says, you have, you have heard it has been said. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemy. Isn't that what they say in the past? They still say that in the world. Love your brother, hate your enemy. Jesus said, here is the love of God. I say unto you, love your enemies. I told this church many times, many years ago, that you make a hit list of all your enemies, people you don't like. So one of the reasons why some of us don't succeed in life is because we have too much of hatred in our hearts. We need it to be cleansed. Too many things sitting there. And I don't like this one, don't like that one. You know, a lot of times we need to look inward rather than outward. A lot of times, Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 7, and let me put it like this. He says, in chapter 7, I'm just skipping over a little, I'm coming back here. He said in chapter 7, verse 3, Why beholdest thou the mote in your brother's eye, and considereth not the beam that is in your own? I'm looking at Brother Gregory. Brother Gregory, you got a sawdust in your eye. And then he says, you got a beetle in yours, Brother Singh. Isn't that sad if I got a a bug crawling in my eyes and I'm busy about a sawdust and a lot of times the reason why we are lacking compassion to the people around us is because we lack the love of God in our own hearts makes us feel good when I make you look bad because it makes me feel justified in my hypocrisy here in chapter 5 and verse 44 Jesus says I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. I excuse the term pronunciation. Okay, change it around. Bless them that curse you, and do good unto them that hate you. 
It's not easy, my friend, to be a Christian. Well, I'm going to hide in the bush. You can't. You've got to live with the saints and have them gossip your name and give, them a, give you a reason for not liking them. Every person that the Lord sent along your path that's obnoxious is sent for a reason. Every storm is given for a reason. And if we're to understand the love of God, how God operates, let's go on here. He says, I'm reading that again. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that which despitefully use you and persecute you. I find that when I pray for people that don't like me, I change, I have a better attitude to the people. I never change them, but it gives me a better attitude. Because it sheds the love of God in my heart. The Holy Ghost would lead me to pray for people that don't really deserve to be prayed for. I pray for people all over the place. I was telling Chandri, um, when I was doing security, there was a little Muslim girl, Muslim family. You know, when I was doing security, the people that are Muslims on the site loved me more than the Christians did. It's strange how I find in this world who loves me. And you know, I've learned how to live with rejection. I've learned how to be able to offer myself to people without someone showing gratitude. I do it as unto the Lord. And this little girl used to come to the gatehouse. She was 13 years old or 14. And she used to come and see me and uh, she called me grandpa. Muslim girl. Her mother was amazed that his, her daughter, and they're staunch Muslim, every Friday all dressed up in hijab and they all go to the mosque to pray. She called me grandpa. And her mom, one day, they came with a dish. So we, my mom made some biryani for you. Birani or biryani. And they made a good one and they sent it home. They did things for me that the Christians on site didn't do. And last week, I was telling Chandri, guess who I heard from? She's big now, she's married, she's living in India with her husband, and she wrote me to thank me for being that good person that was in our life. Isn't that something? Some people don't ever forget the good that you've done in their lives. And so, Jesus went on here, he says, that you may be the children, everybody, verse 45, that you may be the children of your father. Here's the question, are you the children of your father? Are you the chip off the block? Somebody says, well, you're a chip off the block. You're just like your old man. Are we just like our old man, God the Father? Can we love like he loved? Are we going to hold grudges against people? Or are we going to be children of our father? I like that. Chip off my father's block. It says that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to shine on the people that are evil. As well as those that are good. And he sent rain on the just and on the unjust. Wouldn't that be something if rain only fell on the Christian's house? No. 
He allows his blessing to bless entire humanity. Because God is not affected by what he sees. He knows the end result. And our Father is a loving Heavenly Father. And he says, so if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than the others, than others? Do not even the sinners, the publicans, do the same? So you love me, I love you. You hate me, I hate you. Now, we're to love the unlovable. If we're to represent the Father, we have a whole bunch of things here in Matthew chapter 5 to accomplish. Everybody with verse 48. Be therefore. What? Say that again. Be therefore perfect. Don't give up. Don't go halfway. The goal is to be like God the Father. Be therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect and you know I got five minutes and so I will turn to uh, this scripture in John 15 where Jesus talks about his father he says I'm the true vine verse 1 and the father is the husbandman he says I'm the vine but the father is the one that takes care of the vine and every branch in me when you're latched into Jesus that bear it that, he, that bear it not fruit, God takes away. Because God wants to see fruit. The fruit here is the attributes of God. It's the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit. When you're representing the Father, you have the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm holding my finger there and reading the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Tonight is a good night. Amen. Tonight, I feel good. You know, <laughs> sometimes I could be depressed, but tonight I really feel good. I feel, you know, God is good. Um, he's always been good. Paul writes, he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And someone says, what kind? Just love, man. Is that hard? Sister, Sister Dorcas, see if I say love, is that hard? What's the opposite of love? Hate. So don't hate, just love. Well, I gotta love agape? No, 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 just love. Stop analyzing everything and just love without an ulterior motive. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, the joy of God. It's peace that passes all understanding. And that's what I felt tonight. I sat here, but then I felt peace. It was such, it's such a good thing to sit here. Maybe I'm ready to die or something. But I felt the peace of God. I really do feel the peace. And it says, long suffering. Who wants? Well, if you're a child of God, you can be able to suffer long. People abuse you. You forgive them. They abuse you again. Forgive them. How much times must I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus says 70 times 7. If I forgive you 70 times 7, I wonder how many times the Father can forgive me. Listen, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on His love. God's love is a wonderful thing. It's beyond my comprehension. Why would He love 
a vagabond like me well he loves and while I was unsaved his son died for me and Paul went on here he says long-suffering gentleness further the spirit gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance see haughtiness and all these kinds of stuff is not there and so Jesus in Matthew ch John chapter 15 and I got four minutes left I think no two minutes the clock at the back is not right I got two minutes left and Jesus made a statement and he talked about being fruit here and I'm telling you if you abide in Christ verse 4 and he abide in you the branch cannot bear by itself. We need Christ. We need the Spirit of God. You cannot mechanically live for God. You need God's help. And Jesus said in verse 16, and I'm done. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have ordained you that you should go forth. You should go and bring forth fruit. And that the fruit of the Spirit, and I don't love you today, hate you tomorrow. If I love you, it's a constant love. In spite of what your weaknesses are. And my friends, if you're to develop God, guess what? God would give you the necessary enemies, the necessary negatives, the necessary obnoxious people, the necessary neg all the things that are terrible, God would give you so you can have a chance. To love the unlovable and to forgive not to hold grudges you hate anybody you need to ask God to help you to love them amen it's nice talking to you tonight I appreciate God I thank God for his love and his goodness let's pray father we thank you tonight for this night we spent in your house dear father I can never be unthankful to thee for your love and your goodness, Lord, that you have shed in our hearts. Please, O oh Father, we ask. Please give us more of your spirit. Father, I can never love the unlovable unless you help me. Help me to live this life that you demand of us. Father, help me to take on your spirit and your attributes. Lord, that I can be a chip off your block. Father, help me to be perfect. As you are perfect, Father, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen and amen.